Hey, we did something special for the last day of the NBA season. It's a two-part BS podcast with me and Rosella. This is part one. Part two will be landing in a few hours. Stay tuned for that one as well. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Protect what matters to you and get a Simply Safe home security system. It helps keep your whole home safe and all the loved ones who live there. Uh, think about, well, summer's coming up, what, in a couple months? Everyone goes away for the summer. You know who knows that? The burglars. You know who knows that you might be gone on Easter if all your cars are gone and that you probably went to somebody's house? The burglars. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. Simplysafe.com slash BS. This episode is brought to you by Honda. Honda is committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. And the Prologue EV is their latest innovation in that journey. The Prologue is all the great things you expect from Honda in an EV. As an SUV, the Prologue comes with class-leading passenger space with intuitive features and clean, thoughtful design. The Prologue is more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as The Ringer Podcast Network. We're on The Rewatchables, which we're dropping some point on Monday, probably Monday night. One of the five biggest movies we've ever done. I'm going to tell you what it is now. Goodfellas. Yeah. We did good, fellas. We did it in person. We'd been waiting for the end of the pandemic to be vaccinated, to go back in the studio and look at each other. Me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, we did it. Good, fellas. It is available, I think, on HBO Max if you want to watch it um, tomorrow. There's no basketball. What else are you going to do? Coming up, part one of our last day of the NBA season extravaganza, me, Ryan Rossillo. Part two coming much, much later tonight. It's all happening. So good. We had to split it into two parts. Here it is. First, Pearl Jam. All right, part one of the special two-part BS Rosillo extravaganza here on Sunday. Last day of the season, the playing game added a level of weight, of gravity, of entertainment, and Rosillo is a playing detractor. I think it's time for you to apologize to America, Rosillo. You love the playing game now. You've, you've come all the way around. My position is very simple on this. Uh, I did not say that I would not enjoy the games. It's that there will be a time when there is a seven seed and you will look at their record versus the other teams that they're in the scenario with. And you're like, well, why do they have to play another game to be in the playoffs? However, I think another thing that everybody has to admit here, you're so all caught up in all the different scenarios and like, oh, this is, hey, Memphis and Golden State would matter under the old system. Washington, Charlotte would matter under the old system. So all of these games that we've created this idea, the sense of urgency, you could argue a couple of the games that have already happened today would have meant more in the older system. So I don't. Is that really, true? Well, With if Washington, Memphis is out, if Memphis is out, they're out. Like they're out. So I don't. I don't really get. I don't get why all of a sudden, like, oh my god, like this this Memphis Golden State game. This is this has so much on the line now with this new system. You're like, actually, like it has less because now Wait. Memphis is still in it. 
Here's where I'm going to throw three of the greatest words in the English language at you. Yeah, but still. (laughs) I really had a good time today. I like that we have more playing games. Golden State Lakers is set for Wednesday. And and I couldn't be more excited about that. And I just like the fact that we have basically five straight days of playoff games before we even get to the actual playoffs. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. It's, I'm not going to let, I'm going to let, right. not going to let you detract me out of the good state of mind I'm in right now. I've just watched two straight games that felt like playoff games. It's not even the playoffs yet. But what would, what would Memphis and Golden State felt like under the old system? Like what, what would have happened? That's, that's what I think is weird about how, and I, and I always sound like the dick in these scenarios. It's like, oh, but then you go, well, wait a minute. You do realize that in another system, the older one that these games would have been just as important. So I don't, wh- why is it different now? Because it's labeled different. And again, I'm not going to sit there in a playoff game on a Tuesday night if it's a great game and say, well, I don't enjoy this. I knew I would enjoy it. I just think there'll be a time when there's a, a seven seed that has an absurd record. And I'm thinking like, why did we just play 82 games if they have to do this again? That's my You're, only point. I do think the fact that it was a shorter season probably kept the records a little bit closer. And I don't... I think like we would have had an exciting end of the season playing game or no playing game just because we had 72 games this year and not 82 games and a lot of injuries and a lot of weirdness and a lot of people clogged together. That doesn't usually happen. I don't really remember a lot of last day of the season situations where we had two play playoff games, basically. And, and actually we have more than that. If you were taping this right now, it is 3.15 Pacific time. Um, we would have more than that if we felt confident that certain teams weren't just going to throw the games tonight. So I guess this is the counter to the whole playing thing. We're, we're worried that the Clippers are going to basically try to out tank OKC. Who's been tanking anyway. We don't know what's going to happen there. It's going to be a double tank off. And then it looks like the Clippers just want to be the four seed. So we have that, the whole thing. We're going to talk about that in part two. Right? Why are the Clippers? Do you, do you respect or like teams that are like, so determined to avoid people? In the playoffs, I feel like that's like slightly a bad sign for a team's confidence about itself. I just think everybody's trying to figure out how to like this Lakers thing is is weird. Um, you know, you, you and I, I don't even know that we've argued about it. I think I've actually come more around to your side of thinking on this point is that if the Lakers, you know, they put together a nice little run here and Anthony Davis in that Phoenix game, we were doing one of those pods and the game was going on while we were taping it and he just put on an absolute mm. show and you're like, oh man, that's that's why the Lakers are a bad matchup for Phoenix. And you know, Phoenix in their game against San Antonio, like they didn't play Chris Paul. So um, you have that part of it. And look, the Clippers, I think there was some debate about like, well, what are they going to try to do? Are they going to care? Well, it's very clear. They don't want the Lakers on their side. They don't want the Lakers on their side of it. And that's why they're going ahead and doing what they're doing and sitting everybody and losing one of the other games before we get to the release of the Western Conference part of it. So I get can your it, point. Wait, saying, can like, I counter? Can I give a really good counter? So they do the Kawhi Paul George thing two summers ago. And they do this whole puff their chests out. It's on, baby. L.A. versus L.A. <laughs> We're here to take it. We're building our own basketball arena. We're going to take basketball in L.A. from the Lakers. And then they have a chance to end up on their side in the playoff rack. And they're like, cool, we're going to tank the uh, last couple games of the year here. We don't want to be on their side. So what is it? Do you want to go head to head against the Lakers or you don't? Because you're running the other way from them in this playoff thing. And it's embarrassing. There are plenty of great things that look good on a billboard and a t-shirt, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's what you want. But I mean, if you were, if you were running the Clippers, would you be mad about this right now? Would you be saying, no, 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 we're doing this. We want to show everybody. Are you strategic and saying, 
hey, if the Lakers are back in hole, let's get on the other side of the Western bracket. Well, if I was covering the Clippers and I ran into Steve Ballmer, I'd be like, hey, what about all that big game you talked about, about challenging the Lakers? Why are you running away from them in a playoff bracket? I don't see the Lakers running away from you. Would he, care, back to a would he care more about thing. you, though, as a guy covering the Clippers or the chances no, for his organization like, to get out of the West? Well, why talk so much shit and then not back it up? I think it's embarrassing. So should they sign big players and not be excited about it and not saying they're taking over L.A. and then... And then run the other direction as soon as they have a chance to play the Lakers in the playoffs. Have a billboard that says we're probably still, you know, a second class citizen in this city. (laughs) So if we duck the Lakers, don't take it personally. T-shirt. I would just rather be a higher seed in a playoff, really, in any scenario. I just think it's more valuable to be a higher seed. I don't want to risk it, especially this year when weird shit's going on. And I I don't want to lose my spot. If I have a chance to be a three seed, I'm getting the three seed. That's it. If I have a chance to play Phoenix in round two, awesome. If the Lakers end up playing me in the three, six, fine. Let's go. Let's do this. We've been circling each other for two years. I don't like it. Can we talk about Golden State Warriors? So Yeah. Is uh, this the East, we'll talk, Eastern Conference pod? <laughs> no, no, because Golden State Warriors just happened and then we'll go back and we'll do the okay. East and we'll do the other one. I was, uh, like, I was told there'd be no math. Well, we, you just watch Golden State Warriors. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Sorry. Curry finishes with 46, and it's weird to say this about somebody who scored 46 in a basketball game, but he eked it out. It it was a blood, sweat, and tears 46. He took 36 shots, took 22 threes. I'm sure he's taken more threes in a game. I just can't personally remember a game uh, where he jacked up 22 threes. And all of them, he said after the game that he felt like he could have shot better. I don't know. I thought Memphis defended him pretty well. And in general, it it put a big spotlight on some of the things that are both wrong against this Golden State, go, wrong with this Golden State team, but also right and so lovable. And just, I'm so in on the Curry-Draymond thing. I'm so in on the way they play, how unique it is. And I felt like even when they blew the lead, and it was, I think it was 97-95 at one point, Memphis. And I just felt like, they're, where's it going to put, they have a switch. They can do this. They can turn this on. They did. It helped that Brooks fouled out. But um, but what the Warriors are doing, if you think about it in a playoff series, it makes less sense, right? If a team can see this seven times over the course of two weeks, I feel like it'll be a little bit easier. But in a one-game playoff, as we head toward the Lakers here, and they just have to play them once, they just have to do this. Curry has to have like two hot stretches during the game. Everybody else has to rebound. They have to hope Davis doesn't destroy them. Is it realistic to you that they could beat the Lakers in a playing game? No, not with their front line. I mean, it's Kevon Looney, and then it's go small. And then if you go small, you're going to lose every rebound. So I don't really see it. And I think what you're going to do is you're going to keep two with Steph as soon as he crosses half court. I mean, he's had two other games this month where he shot 21 threes against Oklahoma City, 20 threes against New Orleans. When he just decided about, I don't know, two months ago, or it's on me. I mean, I don't know if there's another game where he has 22 or more at some point in his career. I guess I wouldn't be shocked. But he's the volume has cranked. He had one other game in February where he took 23s. He actually shot it horrible in that Miami overtime game where he mm. actually like came back. Because he's had some of those games where it's like, oh, the run is over. The run is over. And then he have a third quarter with 20 points again. And you're like, no, the run is back. The run is back. And you're right, because Brooks fouls out at 91 apiece. And Memphis then took the lead a few possessions later. And it felt like Golden State kind of turned themselves off in this game. Um, 
where they were just up again. It was clear with Ja Morant, they have no respect for him. So that's that's one of those weird things with Memphis and Ja, where if you think of them long term and projecting them as a playoff team, like that's a real problem for you offensively in today's game, where you can just make sure you sag off the guy with the ball in his hands the entire game. I mean, it's a, it's a little Westbrooky in some playoff games, where you're like, I love a lot of the stuff that you're capable of. But like that's a major flaw, and you saw Golden State go with that. They get up twenty. I thought they were kind of coasting there a little bit, and then the big thing with Steph was, what's Kerr going to do with the urgency of this game? Because even though in the moment, like the game sort of means something, you know, it's it's still clear that some of the other teams today aren't going to look at it the same way. And Steph always comes back at that six minute mark of the fourth quarter, right? Plays the third, and they bring him back really late. He brought him back in at like nine plus minutes. And that's when you kind of knew like, hey, this is all going to be on you. So in a one game spot, I, I don't I would never doubt Curry. I mean, it, he's probably had more doubt going into the season than ever before. And then he wins a scoring title. The team is in the playoffs. And this is actually a great accomplishment. We consider the rest of the team there. But there's just not enough secondary scoring. There just isn't for a playoff game like a series. Like you're not talking upsetting somebody in the first round, are you? No, I was thinking playing game because I think if they could beat the Lakers, I do think they could beat the Suns in a series. I don't, I wouldn't know if I'd bet on it, but I do think they could hang with them and potentially beat them. I do not think, um, I think Utah would be a taller task, even though they showed the blueprint for how to do it with some of the stuff they did against them last week. I just think Utah, part of the problem that's so Right, but no Mitchell, no Conley in that game, right? Right. And Okay. But I'm saying what the stuff they're doing with Gobert, I think, will mirror some of the stuff they'll try to do in a playoff series. I think what's frustrating. You're right about that. They'll do they'll do the other stuff that the other great guards do late and try to figure it out if they're close. But I don't know. There's just certain well, results the last couple of weeks that I go, all right, I know what happened, but no, I, don't I was know talking what to about the play. I think yeah. what's frustrating about playing Utah in a playoff series is they have all these dudes who can just carry a half hour game. And there's no way to plan for it or prepare for it, right? Like you could just have the random Bogdanovich game three where he has like 42. You have, you know, you're going to have at least one Clarkson game. You know, Mitchell's going to have the one crazy game. You know, Angles is going to have the one game where he's got like the 17, 12, and 15, something like that. I just think the longer a series goes on, that team has a lot of options against a team that really. You know, I mean, JTA, JTA went out for a little while today and it felt like the Warriors world was caving in. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, we don't have JTA. What are we no, going to do? You're right about Utah. And what I always really liked about him was that when they were rolling offensively, it's like they can find different ways. Like if you're sitting there and you're that team, you're going, we have a bunch of different guys that can attack. And to even be fair to Gobert, you know, there are moments going back to that first round loss against the Nuggets, which could have gone either way in the playoffs last time around where Gobert had moments where it didn't look like Denver knew what to do with him. You know, you're like he'll he'll have a game where I think we've been over this enough with him where you go, okay, is is he the right matchup for this game? And it can be the same people out there game four, and then he's dominating. So um I would I would expect, yeah, that they would kind of attack him, but it's a really good point on the Jazz is that their balance is what gets you excited, but they can also get really unbalanced at times with Mitchell offensively and then those Clarkson minutes where he he comes in now. I mean, his thing is funny because he's not the quickest. The shooting is better. He was so ISO heavy as a player, but now he, he just gets to the rim and stops and then finishes against people. Like whatever he's doing with his angles or how he takes off, he's incredible at just finishing kind of not even just fluid drives, just being at the rim and getting it up. 
Yeah, he almost looks like a rich man's Lou Williams when Lou Williams, back when Lou Williams mattered a little bit more than I think he does now. Here's the case for the Warriors in a playing game. Did you see Valen Shunis' stat line after this game? He had a 29 and 16. He was 12 for 15 from the field. And it didn't matter. The Warriors still beat them handily. So let's give, let's just give Davis 29 and 16. Okay. <laughs> Easy. Um, done. Let's, let's, yeah, let's just pencil a bit for that. I, I still feel like the Warriors can hang with them, even if you're penciling that in. Now, I don't know what we're getting from LeBron. I don't know how healthy he is. I have no feel at all for what he can do. But if they do the bully ball thing and LeBron's feeling it, they could just completely overpower them. At the same time, I just don't feel like that Lakers team has played together enough that just in a one game and there'll be urgency, but not like crazy urgency because I don't really think the Lakers care where they land. Whereas like for Golden State, I think it's a really big deal for them to get to seven. I know that they think they can beat the Suns because they've hung with them this year. They've gone toe-to-toe with them and I think they could do it in a playoff series. Utah, they're not beating, I don't think. We should still keep open the possibility because this one's releasing earlier that the Lakers could get to the sixth seed here and Portland could end up in the seven. Um, But that depends on, obviously, the Lakers beating New Orleans, which should be no problem, but then Denver and Portland. And for uh, a few different reasons, it looks like Denver you know, may end up... I I don't know what's going to happen with Denver. I don't know what's going to happen with Denver. I mean, the line on this one is massive, right? So that's the clue on this one is the line is Portland by eight and a half. Right. So everybody thinks Portland gets this one. So that's your seven, eight. And I know that's why we're doing all this stuff on it. Uh, Memphis shot what? Like six to 25 from three. I know the Lakers can be a little streaky. That's more expected from Memphis. I don't know that I I expect that. I mean, it could happen with the Lakers, but I would think they do better than that from outside. What do you expect? Like, first of all, I have no idea how many people will be at that game. I just hope I'm one of them because I, I am going to try to probably go on Wednesday night. I want to see that one. Uh, but I there's a lot of Warriors DNA here in LA. There will be some Warriors fans at that game. And I think there will be a real energy. If if you can get more than like 4,000, 5,000 people into, into that for a real game with famous people in it, there's going to be energy in the building, even if there's going to be a lot of empty seats. I'm excited. There should be some kind of like prices right screening to people on the outside where they're like, no, 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 you're good. Just keep going down that tunnel. Like, no, no, just keep <laughs> going down the tunnel. And they just exit you out like on the other side of the place if you had Golden State gear on. Right. I, it's like good I'm, fellas. No, no, it's a little further. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. no, 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 no. Pick no, out no, something. No, right. <laughs> uh, I'm open to the idea in one game that anything can kind of happen here. But what I don't want to do is because the Lakers have looked lethargic even though they've won a bunch in a row here in the last week and they have everybody back that yeah like I get your point I get your argument for it but I mean eventually I have to look at who's playing in a game right I have to look at the collection of guys and when you start getting the third and fourth guy for Golden State against a healthy healthy Lakers team I understand hey you know they but there's also another version of this where it's not like it's their first year together and they haven't done anything you know, the fact that they're coming off of winning a title. I mean, that's what annoys me about some of these teams. Some of these teams that have never done anything and have a few good players are like, man, wait, just wait. And we'll get there. And we'll flip the switch. I'm like, I'm not going to give you the flip the switch benefit of the doubt if you've never done anything collectively as a group. So at least the Lakers have that part of it down. So I, can I, I give, give you a point. But can I give you one other thing? Yeah, I just this is unbelievable. Like you are Wait, trying so hard to sell I, Listen, that's I'm just... I don't have to sell it. Everyone's going to watch this game. But I just think Golden State has to be taken seriously in a, in a single gamer because of Curry. 
But here's another point. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with that part of it. Wait, I, I think you're one. trying. I think you're just trying to talk yourself into the Lakers losing this game. Is what it sounds like. That's you're not selling me on watching it. I think you're trying to sell the well, Lakers my, can lose this. It's my least favorite team against my favorite team. That's not Boston. Um, Wiggins revenge game. Want to walk through this? Yeah, actually, I do because this this stumps me a bit. Wiggins revenge game. 2014. Oh, all right. Now I know where you're going. LeBron yeah. and Lee Jenkins, I'm coming home. Pretty funny article to read in retrospect because he makes it seem like he's retiring in Cleveland. He ends up staying four years. Um, but he he lists a couple of the people. I'm so excited to play with this person and that person. And doesn't put uh, Wiggins in there. It's like, well, that's interesting because they drafted <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. He, he was... What was he, the first pick or the second pick? I can't remember. He was the first pick, Jabari. First pick in the draft. Yeah. Would have thought Would have thought maybe he would end up in your SI piece. Did not end up in the piece. And they ended up flipping him right away for Kevin Love. Wiggins has carried this like a grudge for seven years. He's finally ready to, ready to unleash it against LeBron. I'm excited for the Wiggins revenge game. Okay. Oh, you're, you're telling me you're telling me he doesn't have it in him? <laughs> Haven't you watched his whole career? That's the that's who, I mean, I couldn't wait for you to stop. More passion than Andrew Wiggins. Right. I think you could rob Wiggins' house and he would know it was you and he would still <laughs> drop your kid off after school. All right. So there's nothing about Wiggins', Wiggins mentality. Is like, LeBron, it's an honor to play with you. Yeah. Play against you. Although nothing is as bad as when Boston goes to make out with Kyrie after he smokes him again oh in a regular God. season game. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that if that happens. But uh yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything that's ever I've never seen anything from Wiggins in seven years that would tell me he is motivated by Maybe anything. Well, <laughs> once again, I'm going to come back at you with this. Yeah, but still. Is Curry uh, the number three lock for MVP right now? Because for me, he is. I think he has to be third. Yeah, I think he's going to be third. Because I, I, I don't think be. Randall's going to carry enough of the vote. You know, Randall, this is really weird. In the largest, the largest market in the United States, they feel like this non-Power 5 college football team with this amazing Heisman candidate that we know in the final votes are tallied is just Randall's not going to have enough. So what do you think? You think it's Embiid second or you think it's Paul second? I think Embiid's going to be second. I'll tell you this. I don't know if Chris is going to be on my ballot. Well, what are you doing? Top? You do five, right? You vote five? You vote five and there's seven guys who have a case. So... I, it has to be Jokic and Bede one, two. It just has to be. You That has to be your top two. And if you don't have that, you didn't watch the season. I think Curry has to be three because I think they were, what, 37 and 26 when he played. And you saw the team today. Like, talk about valuable. If he doesn't have a good game, they're losing against anybody good. I think Chris, that team's better. Um, they're deeper. I don't... he they could survive like a not great game from him. Um, so anyway, I had him third. I don't, once, it, once it gets to Giannis, Dame, Randall and Chris Paul, I don't know if they're necessarily right answers. If you're, if you have two spots for those four guys. Yeah, but this is where I think the storytelling comes in. And this is where Paul is going to be at least in the top five on a lot of ballots is that it's going to be this kind of lifetime achievement vote for him because I swear to God, every single Suns broadcast, and I'm not talking the home broadcast, any game that's broadcast now with Phoenix, uh, it's not just their television, I'm talking like the away team too. They put together that graphic now showing how much Chris Paul improves a team from the year before he got there to the year. And it, I mean, it's five in a row and it's a monumental improvement almost everywhere he goes. And 
you know, we all know the playoff stories. I'm not going to run through that again. I just see it all the time. So I feel like he has more story momentum than the top two slash three candidates. He's right there, I think, with Steph as far as the story part of it, which isn't always accurate, but I'm just telling you, you know, the vote. That's how it seems to go. Well, so if Portland gets, let's say Portland locks in here at six, it's pretty hard to leave Dame out of the top five. They're going to, let's say they've finished 42 and 30 with all the injuries they've had. McCollum is, what, six weeks? Nurkic has been a shell of himself. Um, he kind of kept them. It seemed like at one point the season was completely unraveling and they unlocked yeah. it and came back. And it's just like, if you switch Chris Paul and Dame, one of my MVP things is just switch the guys. Like who would have a bigger impact on which team? If you switch Chris Paul and Dame Lillard, is, is Phoenix worse? Yeah, I think they are. I think you Chris think Paul just, okay. I just think Chris Paul does a million little things that you have to either understand what you're watching you know, I'm sorry. Like, I just think there's a couple players that are a little bit more complicated than the box score. And I'm not saying Dame is this volume scorer loser type guy because he's not. I mean, I love Dame too, like everybody else. But I just, there are plenty of nights where Paul doesn't even look to get his offense going until it's like eight minutes to go in the tight game in the fourth quarter. And then you see him. He had eight makes in a row the other night in a game where you look at halftime, you're like, he's taking three shots. What the hell's going on here? So I think Paul just has to be, he just has to be, it's not labeled or consumed. He just you have to look at him differently than some of the other raw numbers that we see. I have Curry third, and I think I'm going to have Giannis fourth, and then that fifth spot I'm probably going to decide tonight at like two in the morning. I think you're going to go Randall. I think you want to vote Randall. I think you just want to be able to say I gave him a vote, which I'm not even saying is the wrong thing, but it's tough because they're playing in the East. I think the East is is just worse. You know, and whatever the Knicks are going to end up, what are they going to be? Forty-one and thirty-one, whatever it is. That record, yeah, in the, the forty-one, East, thirty-one. Yeah, that record in the East versus Portland going forty-two and thirty in the West. Now Portland probably has a little more talent than the Phoenix. Like Phoenix is going <laughs> to, Phoenix is going to be one of only two teams at one fifty plus, and then all the all the impact Chris had on that. It's really hard, and that's the thing. It's like people can't get mad. When, and you talk about this sometimes with the snub thing, it's like, sometimes you just have seven guys for five spots and you got to figure it out. And I don't know if there's a right answer. You know, Chris's stats, he's, he's like 16 and nine. Um, his shooting splits are, are good as good, you know, typical Chris Paul year, but Dame is like, you know, 29 a game and is a guy that kind of held that Portland team together where it seemed like there are a couple times this season where they were just going under and he held them together. So I, I, it's really hard for me to say Chris Paul is more valuable or Dame is more valuable, but I got to put somebody down. Can I throw one thing at you here? Just the yeah. argument for Steph, that offensive plus minus number that Steph basically leads the league in every single year. And it's absurd. Um, it's just basically an indicator of like how much better you are with the team. Um, Steph is going to lead the NBA this year at just over seven a game. Number two is LeBron at 4.63. Durant's third at just about four. James Harden's fourth at four. Giannis is fifth at just under four. Dame is there at just under four. Mitchell, and then it gets a little weird. Jordan Poole is eighth because he played so many minutes with Steph. <laughs> All right. Then it's Lonzo, and then Jokic rounds out. Only the other guys that are three or above. Everyone else that's really good in the league from 11 all the way down is below three, and Steph is at seven. 
Um, in the 15-16 season, he was at 12. And you look, we can argue what all these numbers mean or don't mean. We can go in circles and all this stuff. But some of these metrics on the extreme side tell you the real story here. And it's that every time Steph steps onto the floor with his team, it's just a completely different impact of almost any other player in the league. And on top of it, Clay gets hurt before the season. And Wiseman, who they think they're going to get something from, and midway through the season, they realize he's a project and this season should have gone sideways and it did not. I have a couple more things than this. We're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Honda. Honda is committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. And the Prologue EV is their latest innovation in that journey. The Prologue is all the great things you expect from Honda in an EV. As an SUV, the Prologue comes with class-leading passenger space with intuitive features and clean, thoughtful design. The Prologue is more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Curry finishes this season over 32 points a game, uh, 32-6-6, and and almost a 50-40-90. He shoots too many threes to get to the 50, so he's basically 48-42-92, and made 343s. And if uh, if we had the extra 10 games, I think he would have broke. He would have joined the 400 club again, which is he's the only one that's done it. Dame, just to put some of the numbers for the people who haven't looked at this, Dame this year was 29, 4, and 8. Um, and then Randall, as you said, was 24, 10, and 6. And Chris was 16, 5, and 9. But the as you said, the intangible piece with Chris and how he just makes everybody he plays with better is one of the reasons, like when we do the most valuable player thing, that's got to come up. And I, it's really weird. I don't remember the last day of the season where I didn't know what I was going to do. The only things I know for sure is that I have Jokic and Bede, Curry. I think Curry has to be three. And then four or five, we can argue till the cows come home about those four guys. Giannis, not as good of a season as his last two. And he's still, you know, 29, 11 and five. And, um, he's still a ridiculous two-way player is pretty durable. And the team was good. That team is going to be 47 and 25. So tough one. Um, okay. What's audible to, uh, wizards, hornets and the wizards who came through. We did, we did an over under podcast before the year. You did well. You did really well this year. I did well. Although I lost, we all lost on the Warriors because the Warriors, they it was on the half. I think it was, was 38, 38 and a half was the over. We all went under and they went over by half. So I went 19 or 11. I went five and two of my locks. One of my locks was the Wizards. And the Wizards started out, what were they, three and 15 at one point? Something yep. awful. They finished at 34 and 38. And you knew the game today was going to be like every single close wizards game that they have where somebody's going to have a lead. Somebody's going to come back. It's going to be tight. The last two minutes, there's going to be some inexplicable, uh, offensive decisions. You're going to scratch your head a couple times. And then one team is going to win and be relieved. And the other team is going to not believe that they blew the game, which is how this played out. Uh, the big takeaway though, for me anyway, is Charlotte's just not, not good. It's just not a good team. You without know, Hayward, like, I, I don't, you know. Do you see the numbers without Hayward? When well, I know what they are. I mean, which ones are you asking me about? 
Well, when he doesn't play this year, they're nine and nineteen. They're nine and nineteen without yeah. him, basically. Yeah, that's not Which is none of that surprising. Brutal. Six and fourteen in their last twenty. And they try to do the small ball thing today to take Scott Brooks by surprise, which is not, by the way, hard to take Scott Brooks by surprise. But they but it did and it worked. And they took a big lead and they kind of ran out of gas. And um Beal got I think the going Gafford, a bit late. The Gafford foul trouble helped Charlotte kind of put some stuff together there. And then it it didn't really matter. But yeah, no Hayward. I mean, he was, he was, remember, he was a borderline all star conversation there for a while. The Hornets also had this ridiculous run where they were winning all these close games, where they had these, these numbers that showed you in the fourth quarter for a long time during the regular season. You're like, wait, they're that much better than all these other teams during it. But the Wizards now, if you go April 1st to now, Denver's got the best record in the NBA from April 1st to now, 18 and six. And this is missing some of the games. It'll be later Sunday night. Phoenix 18 and 7, Atlanta 17 and 7, which I know we're going to get to. Dallas is 17 and 8, which you brought up last week. The Knicks are 17 and 7, and the Wizards are 17 and 9 to close the season. Except one of the weird things is if you compare that to all the other good record teams, their net rating is behind all. Only Atlanta, who's just ahead of them, there's some of these teams that have put together a nice run for a month and a half, but they're not necessarily crushing in any of the other teams. So maybe that can be a little misleading about losing or winning close games, which isn't really. You know, there's a couple teams that I think can bank on certain players, but a lot of times it's kind of random. And the Wizards have won a lot of games despite playing so many close over over the course of, you know, from April 1st on. Yeah, they have a couple guys you trust in a game like this, right? Like Robin Lopez, who I really liked when they signed him. He was somebody I wish the Celtics had gotten, but he was really good today. Um, he, he, can I ask some, you a question about him? Well, on the if you catch him on the wrong night, you think he's... Like there's a third Lopez brother, like Robin and Brooke had this third guy. It's like a Plumlee. He like was like barely coordinated. But today he was borderline dominant. There's some of these families. You're like, wait, there's another one. Like the yeah. Gronks just kept happening. You're the like, Hemsworth. There's one. You're like, there's, there's another Hemsworth. Yeah. They're like, there's a guy at Kansas State. that's a Gronk. Uh, let me ask you this about Lopez. His basketball career. If he were a skateboarder, professional skateboarder, he would he would be a guy that'd be like, 720s like whatever like try try just ollie like his game has gone older you know what mm. i mean like as he got older though the way he plays these looping hooks just feed away from the basket he's playing like a 1950s guy so his game yeah. actually is as as time has passed and the game has gotten better and he's evolved he's decided to zag the ultimate basketball zag his approach to the way he plays is like getting older and older i like it all right count on him Ish Smith, I texted you in house in that first half, and I was like, "This is going to be an Ish Smith game," and it was. Like, there's something trustworthy about him in big games. I can't explain. You it. You like those two shots he made when he dribbled into a long two, <laughs> contested, and then the runner across the lane where no yeah. one else touched the basketball. I don't think. No, I didn't. I didn't like the shots, but they went in, which is a classic Ish Smith thing. Like he's fucking confident in himself, and when you get in these playoff games, and you can see it, you can see. The, the throat, even in a playing game or a playing trying to get into a playing game, the throat started to get a little tight. He's texting and, Carson Edwards today being like, keep gunning, young king. Yeah, keep believing yourself, brother. Uh, and then Bertans, who has been really up and down, to say the least this year, but it's still scary when he's open. You know, so they can kind of throw together s some combination of six guys with Gafford that look like competent playoff team. Westbrook is incredibly confident. As we've discussed many times, he was not good today. He did an interesting thing though in the last three minutes. It was like it was like he had a hypnosis therapy session 
where it was like, Russell, you will not lose this game for your team. You will not lose this game for your team. I was like, what about Bob? They just kept repeating it to himself. And he deferred big time in the last two minutes. He didn't have that crazy. I mean, he froze out Beal inexplicably when Beal was hot, but at least Westbrook was the one taking terrible shots. So maybe there's progress with Russ finally. There was, I was obviously tracking it as I always do with him. <laughs> I was, I was watching his health defense, but then I thought like, okay, a lot of Charlotte's problems on defense start with Lamella. Like he's the guy that you want to go find, but Westbrook doesn't do that. He doesn't like go, Hey, let's figure out a way to get somebody matched up with the guy that we want to attack. It doesn't really happen. Um, he also got hit on a loose rebound where he went down late. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that, I don't know if that fogged him up a little bit. Cause I was kind of waiting. Cause he had one aborted drive in a bad pass. And then he had another one where he kicked it out to Rui and Rui just didn't have enough time to work off a three point line. So there wasn't really that big moment. So he didn't make nearly as big of a mistake as I made last week when I have to come clean on this one. And that when I was talking about Westbrook throughout his career in the postseason, and I said, he wasn't a big part of the finals team. That was just wrong. I should have rephrased it and said it was interesting that that team back then in some of those crunch time moments in the playoffs would run the offense through Harden because Westbrook's numbers. I went back. I was like, I don't know why I said it that way because he had like 40 in one of those finals games. So that was a bad, bad, miss. far worse than anything he did today. Yeah. Well, they're going to be tough out. Those two guys really like playing with each other. There's tough a out. Of res- <laughs> wait, wait. A lo- lot of respect. <laughs> You no, uh, in these playing games, not in the actual playoffs. In the playing games, they're going to be a hard team to play. How resigned are you to like what what's going to happen to Boston? Can we do this now? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to. I might turn my mic off. Stop taping. No, no, no I, this is quick because th- people think this is a bit, and it's really not. Um, <laughs> I had actually re- would rather they lost to the Wizards so they could play in the one eight game. I think they could compete with Philly. I don't think they'd beat Philly, but I think that would be a respectable performance. If I have to watch the Celtics team after this piece of shit season they had with all the dumb shit that happened, get their asses kicked by Brooklyn and then hug Kyrie after every game, after he's just lighting them up. I'm, I'm honestly not going to watch the last Celtics team where I was like, I'm out. I'm not even going to watch these games was the Oh four that John Carroll season when that whole team was like, had packed for Cancun after game two. I'm not going to watch them like dap up Kyrie after these playoff games. This is one of the softest Celtics teams ever. It's a perfect fodder to just get the shit kicked out of them by Brooklyn. And it's going to suck and I'm not going (laughs) to like it. And then they're going to be showing the, the graphic about, (laughs) well, you remember once upon a time they were saying Boston got the better of Brooklyn when they got all those draft picks. Well, look at this now they're about to get swept. It's going to fucking suck. And I'm not, I, 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 I just have better things to do. I'm not going to torture myself with it. Would you rather watch a one, eight sweeping by Philadelphia than a game seven loss to Brooklyn? No game seven loss would be great. That means we beat them a couple times. Yeah, but that's going to, you're going to talk yourself into it a little bit. Cause Brooklyn's I even gonna, said, Brooklyn's I even gonna sent gonna you kill a text. Boston. They're going to kill them. It's going to be. Why do you think they're going to? By the way, why do you think they could compete with Philadelphia? Because I think Philly is an easier team to potentially hang with than this Brooklyn team with those three guys. And Kyrie, who is every time he plays Boston, plays like his life depends on the game. If he had played like that in the 2019 playoffs, we would have won the title. I, don't I just don't that, want to see it. Yeah, I don't. I I couldn't stand that Boston team either because everybody always says like you guys be like, oh, you're just mad he left. I'm like, if you'd watched him every night, you couldn't was, wait until he left. I because, was mad that he left before the final playoff series. Um, yeah, 
I just feel like Philly is a more manageable team to play. I think they would have a lot of issues, but I do think, um, you know, and beat will get his 30 and 15. You just got to live it. But you know, they, it's not like they're the deepest team and you could do Stevens can do some stuff and try to. Yeah. But it's not Brett Brown anymore. It's not Brett Brown waiting until game four to realize to attack. Canner. So it's just, not, it's not, they they're going to get smoked by both of those teams. Yeah. You're probably right. I think they have a better chance to hang against I, Philly. It's, it's, a hundred percent the Kyrie hug fest after the losses because that, the I first time they it. did the first time they did it it was like oh okay but that's the thing that everybody has to understand like Kyrie I think you and I are in agreement here especially because I think we're a little bit more plugged in than the let Kyrie be himself guy tweeting that four times this season um, that you know there's some stuff with him professionally that you just You'd, you'd want somebody to do a better job, okay? Like, I'm trying to be nice about it, but it's just like, hey, you know, if you're going to bail, it'd be great if you told us. Um, and if you bail again, like, we're just supposed to keep respecting it. And I know, you know, religiously, he's he's at a different level and all that kind of stuff. All right, fine. But guys in the league love him. Guys really like him. I mean, the reason Blake ended up there, and I would I would text with somebody, I was like, why, you know, obvious, beyond the obvious, best chance maybe to win a championship for Blake. But it's like, Blake loves Kyrie. Like, those guys just vibe together. They're, and I was like, oh, wow, all right, cool. And so when you watch Kyrie kick Boston's ass like those games, the first time they were all over him and it was a big media moment, you're like, yo, you guys thought there was ill will. Look how much these guys love him. I'm like, yeah, they love him. But it also speaks to how like embarrassing it is like the second time it happened and then the third time it happened. And you're like, so what are you guys going to do? An entire series of Kyrie dribbling through every single one of you. And then you guys can't wait to tell him how awesome you think he is when you're competing against him. So that was tough. That would be tough for anyone that is a fan of their team to see somebody else smoke them and then see the entire team. And again, it kind of speaks to a lack of toughness that we've seen from Boston all season long. Well, and then the one time he didn't play well against them, he's left the court and didn't do the dapping everybody thing. That Sunday game when he wasn't, when he didn't play well, he just, he just walked off at that point. He yeah. usually does, he does the dap up thing when it's, oh, it's always after he's played really well. It seems like that's when he's willing to have 40 handshakes. Um, I'm already working up some animosity for this series, but they have no chance. And to be honest, like Philly's probably the only team that can hang with that team. If those three guys are all going to be healthy. And I, I think we're all in denial if we don't think that I, as much as I enjoy Miami with their wings, with playing Ariza and Iguodala 50 minutes a game. Now they, they, they're not going to beat Brooklyn. It's not happening. I don't. I don't see how. It, I mean, even Harden back out of shape, Bill in the, some of those games, it didn't even matter. It doesn't matter with him. Like his his shooting, we'll see. We all know the Harden playoff thing on the free throws can be, you know, something that happens. But it feels like it's almost. You know, if Harden gets eleven or twelve free throws in game three, then maybe the next group is like, hey, let's tighten up a little bit. We got we let him get a couple. I mean, he just doesn't get the same calls that he gets in the regular season. It's something I'm going to be looking for with Trey Young as well to see if. A crew goes, you know, he got us a bunch of times the other game. So let's see what happens, even though the, the crews change, obviously. Um, but I think for you to say Philly has the best chance, that's fine. But I don't. Do you think there's this wide gap between Milwaukee's chances and Philly's chances against Brooklyn? No, because I don't either. No, I just think that becomes a best player in the series series. And I trust Embiid's ability to be the best player in a Brooklyn series slightly more than Giannis. That's yeah, because we've seen going mentally. We've seen enough with Giannis that you know if you want to try to force him to kind of make decisions with the basketball further 
away from the hoop than than you than he wants to. And it's just a different level of intensity locking in and playing him back to back in all these games, knowing, hey, these are our rules. This is what we want to do. Where if you catch him on a random Tuesday, you got in late the night before, maybe you go. You know what I mean? Like there's all sorts of things that can happen over the regular season where you're not as locked in. But the playoff matchup part of it, I think it gets easier to kind of stop guys that are a little bit more limited from what their regular season offensive repertoire is. Brooklyn has not established that they could handle Joel Embiid for two weeks. Now, that doesn't mean they can't beat them, but it just seems like that's a really fun series for him. If he's going to be going basically against DeAndre Jordan and... He's going to go off. Claxton he's absolutely going to go and off. Play, but... And Blake Griffin. But here, here's the other thing I like with Philly in that series. Simmons and Tybo, you could argue those are the two best wing defenders in the league. You could argue that they're one, two. Simmons is definitely one. You could argue Tybo's two. And that gives them two guys to throw on Kyrie and Harden. And then the Durant thing, you just have to have put Harris on him and he's going to probably get smoked, but at least you have Embiid protecting the rim a little bit. But they have guys, I'm not going to say they're going to shut down Kyrie and Harden, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be like a layup line. Those two guys will make them work. And Tybal is a fucking pain in the ass. KOC did a great video on him last week or two weeks ago. Um, one of those guys, and I assume it's going to be Tybal, will be assigned to Kyrie, and he's just going to bug him, pester him, follow him around, and annoy the hell out of him, and try to get in his head. And I don't, I just think it's very possible to get in Kyrie's head. That's my expert opinion. The Harden thing is Simmons, and Simmons is the best possible guy you could put on James Harden. Again, James Harden is awesome. He's going to get his offense no matter who he's playing. But if you're going to pick the perfect guy to guard Harden, you would say taller guy, great athlete, somebody who follows him around, who really takes the challenge personally. So they have options on both ends. And then it becomes, the, this is why Brooklyn's such a potentially great team is it's like, well, cool. You don't have any regard to rant. He's, he's going to torture guys now. So they're always going to have options, but I just like the way Philly matches up with them. I love that they're big. I, I mean, I know it sounds really simple, but all the guys that we're talking about have size, have real size. I mean, Tobias doesn't move the way Simmons does. And the decision for Doc is going to be the Seth Curry minutes. Like, how do I do I want the spacing? Knowing that I think we all have seen this enough with Simmons offensively. It's a completely different challenge for him in those closing moments with that team when he's out there, because then you can kind of gang up on some other guys because you can just ignore him. I mean, he's never going to hit like I made a joke on my podcast last week, but I'm never going to click on an article again that talks about Ben Simmons working on his outside shot. I just breaking news. I'm reporting this right now. It's never happening. It's never happening. Like he's never going to decide always like, hey, you know what? Now I'm comfortable doing this. He doesn't even want to take him. Right. So we've been yeah. over all that stuff. So will it be Seth Curry with spacing or will it be let's forsake spacing here to continue to have more switchable size with these guys defensively? And I'm sure Doc's going to try both things at, at different times. But we may not know until the end. But I'm picking Philadelphia to win the East. Interesting. So you agree that they match up the best with Brooklyn? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, well, I just think they're good, Bill. I think they're good. I think we're like incredibly dismissive now of defensive stats. Maybe that's the right way to be. But some of these splits for Philly, looking at later chunks of the season, Philly's just better than everybody else. And it's like, eh, <laughs> whatever. And, and Brooklyn, I get it. It's horrifying. It's horrifying to think that when those three guys are together, what they're capable of offensively. But I think the other part of it is that Embiid 
Hey, what do we always do when Embiid is at the end of the game and he's losing the playoffs? We look at him, his hands are on his shorts, he's sweating, and he looks out of shape. I think he's going to look like that all the time, all right? I think even when they win playoff games, I think that's just the way he's going to look. And though, even though you're going to want to make Embiid make decisions on how, how he has to figure out, do I stay up on these high screens or do I drop, which is pretty much what everybody has to worry about as a big in the way the game is played today. There's not really going to be any guy, though, that he has to bang with for 40 plus minutes. Like there's something to be said of just having to run around with this other Neanderthal just hanging on you and boxing you out and elbowing the shit out of you. Like, is that going to be Blake for 38 minutes? You know, is it going to be Nick Claxton? Is it going to be DeAndre Jordan? I, I think that part of it for Embiid, as much as the switching part is always a challenge for the big guys against the perimeter stuff. There's another part of it where it's almost going to feel like it's a rest for him in some of these playoff games because the physical part of it, he's going to be so dominant against whatever combination they want to put out there against him. You kind of stole my thunder. No. And no. I'm going to explain why I read after the break. You could you could tease it better than that. You kind of stole my thunder. But first, why diarrhea might be a sign of something worse. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, so here's what I wrote down before we did the podcast. Philly, what a miracle, exclamation point, avoids Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami until the East Finals with the way this worked out because Miami is in that 3-6 bracket. Plus 260 to win East on FanDuel. I think those odds are crazy. I think if I had to bet my life on one team in the East for all the reasons you just mentioned, plus this one, Brooklyn has to play Milwaukee in round two, right? And if it's not Milwaukee, it's Miami. You have these three guys who everybody's like, well, the three guys are healthy. And I agree. They're fucking terrifying. But it, it just seems like they've had the year from hell trying to keep these three guys together, right? It's been one thing after another, just keeping these three guys off the court. So we have to bet on that happening. Also have to bet on Brick Griffin staying healthy for three straight playoff series. The guys had eight surgeries. They're really relying on him. He's playing 30 minutes a game. It's gotten to the point that you know, if he got hurt, I think they'd be in a lot of trouble. He's important to them. He's like he was this, he was important. this weird luxury name that didn't make it. You are like, I get it. I get it. And then you're watching going, all right, they better get Blake back in, which is great. I'm psyched for him, but it meet like he's important. I'm going to go further. Other than Durant, I think he's their best defensive player. He's out of everybody. And Durant's have, not there yet. And Durant the isn't there from a health standpoint, but I think just his Defensive. instincts on what to do and yeah, where to go sure. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but and and the two times Harden gets it in the post defensively, and the announcers tell us how amazing he is as a post defender. Well, and also you talk about a team that I think is a little fragile from a personality standpoint. Rookie coach, a lot of new pieces, a lot of guys who haven't been in big pressure situations like this. 
And then you have Philly. Who, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, Kyrie hit the all timer. Durant's no, no, one. I'm talking about the other guys. I'm talking about like the, you know, Joe Harris, those type of guys. They, UVA, they, UVA Duke. The first time I watched Joe Harris, it was like, this guy can do. Brown. I was having Italian. I was having Italian outside of my place in West Hartford. I was sitting at this overpriced uh, Italian place, sitting at the bar watching Joe Harris. I was like, this I'm guy can that, do some things. Sorry. The role players. You know, this is different stakes. Philly has some guys that have at least gotten a, a taste of it over the last few years. Then Doc Rivers. But they're going to have home court. And more importantly, like, I just know they're going to be in the Easter Finals. They're not losing in round one. They're not losing in round two. Round one, they're getting the most unbelievable gift of all time. They get to either play Boston or Washington. And then round two, they're going to play Atlanta and Knicks. They're going to beat those teams unless Atlanta shoots the lights out and goes completely bonkers, which, you know, isn't inconceivable. But, uh... I just think it's lined up better for them. And I like the fact, I think this is great. I've talked about this many times in my pod over the years. I like the fact that people have penciled Brooklyn in. I think from a motivational standpoint, you and I have both followed Doc for a long time. There. This is Doc 101 right now. This is... They're going to think they were the eight seed on Monday. Yo, oh, he's going to be like, one seed? Hey, people don't even think we should be here. He's going to do that whole thing. <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. He's going to do one of those. Pray on this. Those. What was that interview with Trump where the guy kept turning the paper upside down? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be handing it to me like they have his eighth. Right. So I just think that team's going to be really, 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 really motivated. And I don't know, man. Embiid is fucking terrifying. When Embiid really wants it, he still has the highest ceiling of anybody we've seen this year of any player. And I'm voting for Jokic for MVP, and I think he's had a way better MVP season than I think he's even gotten credit for. But Embiid had a couple games this year where we were just like, it was like Shaq 2000. You're just going, holy shit. What do you do against this guy? Did you so, know um, that when Jokic wins this, he's the only other second rounder to win the MVP? Who was the first one? I can't remember. Willis Reed. But Willis Reed was in a draft. Where oh, yeah, it was like a 12-player draft. He was the 10th pick. Yeah. Yeah, so if you go on FanDuel right now, Brooklyn is basically even odds to win the East, plus 105. Philly is plus 260. Milwaukee's plus 350. Miami's 12 to one. Atlanta's 30 to one. I'm just telling you people out there, you have the ability to bet on this if you're in one of the FanDuel states. Like, plus 260, Philly's going to be in the Eastern Finals. Unless Embiid gets hurt. Who knows? If he doesn't, they're going to be in the Eastern Finals. But you could just go against that when you get into the uh, into the finals. You can hedge it easy, and then Philly to win the title is eight to one, which for some reason, and that's on Fanduel. Brooklyn's two two to one basically. Lakers are five to one. Clippers are six to one. Jazz six to one. Milwaukee eight to one. Philly eight to one. So they don't have the finals matchup bets, but I think Lakers Philly is a great finals bet. That would be my finals matchup bet, which would probably be something if the Lakers to win the West are plus 240 and the Sixers are plus 260. That's going to be at least 5-1. to one, Maybe even higher. I like that as a bet. You had a point there, though, about Embiid. And it, it, none of this was surprising, okay? I always thought that whoever starts off their career not playing and then playing in 30 games and we're like three years in and you play 30 games, you're like, well, okay, even when he's great, how long is he going to stay healthy? And even though there have been some blips, for the most part, he's been far healthier than I would have thought any of us would like being honest about it. 
like, all right, is he going to hold up? And we constantly hear, oh, he doesn't eat right. He's out of shape. He doesn't take it all these different things. But when he's right, when he's having that, those, those five minute stretches of a game, it's up there with anybody else. It really is. Like the Zion stuff is fun and exciting. I mean, Anthony Davis had a play, and it's this is really interesting, but I was watching Anthony Davis. He grabbed a rebound, dribbled end-to-end, inside-out dribble, turned down the screen, finishes the layup. And it was one of those moments where you're like, who the hell, who does that? And Embiid might be able to. I don't. He would have made it look as good as Davis, and it may have been a little flukier. And, I couldn't, and then a, a guy who was advanced scouting because they had a matchup against Anthony Davis later, sent me this video, was like, did you see this? And I go, I can't believe you just sent me this because this this moment by itself was one of those things where I just kind of said something out loud in my living room when no one else is around. But Embiid will have those stretches where you go, this is, when this guy is right, and I know we do with this a lot because the top of the league is so deep and it's so impressive, but Embiid is capable of having moments where you're like, I don't know that there's anybody better than him. Which I don't think is hyperbole. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's completely out of control to think like if Embiid went on a run and they won a title, the, the carryover of what we would think of, like there would never be a top five list without Embiid if he puts together a real playoff run. There's a lot of chip on the shoulder stuff with this Philly team, including the Embiid not winning the MVP, I think is a piece. Uh, Doc Rivers, all the stuff that's happened to him since 2008, all the playoff losses, can't get it done with the big one. You got Daryl Morey there. Just got <laughs> fired. I mean, yeah. you know, look, Doc just got fired with a team that was like catered. You never thought he was going to lose that gig. Well, and then Daryl, not that Daryl's playing in the in the games, but another one who got to the cusp a bunch of times, who built the third best team basically uh, of the second half of the decade, got nothing to show for it other than a couple devastating losses. So it's there too. But I just love that they have home court. I think, I gotta be honest, I think home court's going to matter as we get into these further rounds. I think even having 10,000 fans there is going to be a real thing. And again, with Brooklyn, can't emphasize this strongly enough. We've seen this over and over again with teams that get thrown together. Um, that first year can be iffy dicey. It didn't happen with the Lakers last year, but the Lakers have LeBron, who's the second best player of all time, and had a lot of his people and a lot of his DNA in that team. And you also had the Rondo piece there, and, and it was a weirdly veteran team that didn't feel like a team that was thrown together, that wasn't tough enough, all that stuff. This, this Nets team... Everything is new, even the coach. Coach has never been in the playoffs before. And I think he I think he's a great job. I might actually vote him third for coach of the year, Nash. Who are you voting first? I think I'm gonna do Monty, Monty one, uh Tibbs two, and Nash three. Because, no Quinn, huh? Nah, there's four people for three spots, but Brooklyn went forty seven and twenty four, and none of those guys played. I mean, and they they had a massive trade. They Kyrie left twice. They they lost Jared Allen. They lost Levert. Um, they had Lamarcus Aldridge. He disappeared after five games because he had to retire. They're relying on Blake. They're bringing in Claxton. No, the number Brown of lineups. And- the number of lineups. I mean, that's that's kind of a credit too to Harden. Much like the year where Harden was was taking a million shots there and putting up those absurd numbers over six weeks. That was out of necessity. And Houston still won games. And so for all the guys that I can get frustrated with because it's like, cool, this guy put up a huge stat line again and they lost. Like, why am I supposed to be like thinking that this guy's the next coming? And I think some of the Harden conversation probably went a little too far when he was on that run. But Harden was a steadying force. But 
I, I think in those real gut check moments for a team that's new. See, this is where the Philly says I'm saying this out loud, though, because I know I know what's going to happen, right? It's like. All right, is Durant all the way the alpha? Has he done enough for you to go like, okay, bail us out, figure this out? And I'd like to think that he is. Is no, Kyrie if he, if he, that? If, if Durant's healthy, he is, but we haven't seen him play a month right. straight. Right. And, and that's, that's a real thing that I think people are just skipping over as they think about the playoffs. It's like, do you trust Durant to play four straight playoff rounds from what we've seen? Do you trust it? I think the best question is, do you trust the entire cast to be there for four straight playoff to be healthy. without any, without any guys, issues? Yeah. To and now Harden's four usually, straight playoff friends. Harden's usually always healthy. This was pretty unprecedented for him. You know, he's Kyrie's. Also, but he's also an older player who has got a lot of miles on him. You yeah, know, I don't know. Guys, I, I think he could play without ACLs and still get you like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like that's <laughs> watching him. Have is, the, Watching him back this week, and he wasn't even looking to shoot all that much, and I forget which game it was, because that's my new favorite thing. You turn it on one of the games on one of the second or third TVs, and then you're like, have I been thinking the team in gray is the Spurs the whole time, and the Spurs are actually not in gray, and the other team, like, have you noticed that with some of the uniform combinations lately? Yeah, I hate it. I, I just go, what's the goal now at the end? And be like, hey, we want you to not know who you're rooting for the first two minutes when you change the channel. Um, I... <sighs> Like for all of the stuff that I just think to be consistent with it, though, and as I've already gone ahead and picked Philadelphia, do I love it? Love it? No, because I'm scared of Brooklyn. But some of the same doubts you could apply to Brooklyn, you could also do the same thing with Philadelphia. Being like, hey, you know, why would I why would I benefit of the doubt, trust, toughness, key moments, Simmons and Embiid when they don't exactly have the playoff resume the guys on Brooklyn do, even though it's a new version of it. And can they play Simmons and Tybal together in crunch time and go three on five offensively? It's going to be really interesting to watch. They have, you know, I, Embiid, I would want that if I were Brooklyn because I'd be yeah. like, cool, good, awesome. You guys can switch and you're long and stuff. We don't have to guard two of your guys. Yeah. Um, it was like who, when Oklahoma City used to play Perkins in, in Robertson to close. Right. And you would just go, well, no shit. This is really tough for Russ and Kevin because. <laughs> Like this is there's two guys we don't have to defend. Well, my all. guess is they'll stagger Simmons and Tybo as much as they can. But I think Tybo will play probably like fifth or sixth most minutes. They have the green thing that they do. And I'll be interested to see Maxi has flashes. Yeah, yeah. Where you he's, go, he's, is this yeah, guy are we gonna hear from this guy in the playoffs? Like in is he's he not. Have a I don't game think where it's like the Maxi game, game three. It's like holy shit, Ty Maxi won this game for them. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be scared. He will not be scared. That's the I only like guarantee him. I have. I'm a fan. Um, let me ask you this. Who would be the most fun team to knock Brooklyn out? What team would fire you? Because there's a there's a Miami Jimmy Buckets, Pat Riley, Spolstra case that's kind of fun. It's like, oh, you got you got your little Brooklyn big three thing? How about, how about a little heat culture for you? Uh, Milwaukee would be fun because of the Giannis thing, the fact that, you know, their fans kind of hit rock bottom last year. Drew Holiday finally being in a real series, PJ Tucker piece. Uh, what about all that what, stuff. what about a Subway Eastern Conference Finals? Knicks, Brooklyn? Yeah, you're right. That would be the most fun. But that, I don't feel like the Knicks would have any chance in that series. Just They'd make sure to we get to the hurt Knicks. The other players. Yeah, Just let we, me know when we get there. We're doing it right now. We're going to take uh, one more break and then we're going to do, uh, let's hit the other two uh, series quick. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. 
I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, so quickly, um, playing game, Indy Charlotte. We both think Indy's going to win that one, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, do you know what the line is? You want to guess? I'll say Pacers minus three and a half. Pacers by one and a half. No. Pacers started six and two, finished 28 and 36. Uh, the Charlotte is nine and 19 without Hayward, six and 14 in their last 20. So this is quite a battle. Um, I guess the two things within, with Indiana worth mentioning, other than the fact that they had a revolt against their coach, like seemingly like yesterday, and, uh, and he survived it. Karis Levert's last 20, 24, 5, and 5. How many shots? I, I mean, probably a lot. Sabonis in May, 23, 14, and 11. He's been like on fire, lights out for uh, since he came back. So He's great. Remember when we were going to do our top 30 hurt. players? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why Karis, that's why I still think there's like a long-term deal with the Pacers where I go, I like a lot of the pieces, but to have TJ Brogdon and Karis Levert all have that, like that's going to be, they'll have to make it. One of those guys is going to be there, first of all, because there's just no, I, I don't think Karis is um, a really talented guy that, you know, we've been over it, but I still think that they were better when Brogdon was making the decision with Sabonis. And it'd be nice if Levert scores off of that, but I don't think he's ever going to do that. Um, and then you add in the Warren factor where he was putting in numbers that were just absurd for him. So, yeah, you know, look, I mean, the Pacers should win that because Charlotte, Charlotte's a guard team that's pretty, pretty dependent on like, are we going to, are Rozier and Graham and LaMelo going to hit ridiculous shots? Although LaMelo, his start stop is so good. Like the way he can at that size dribble to a stop and then pick it back up again. But another thing he's getting away with because he's young is he is hammering the shit out of bigs that come over to contest him at the rim with his yeah. off arm. He's like slapping their arms away. He's got some veteran shit to him already. But for whatever reason, he's getting away with it. And whenever I think about him now against Lonzo, like Lonzo was fundamentally probably a better player. But then again, he's shooting. So I'm probably thinking about the Lonzo now. Lonzo's a good shooter. He's got some really good numbers there. But LaMelo has the attitude and personality on the court that we all wanted Lonzo to have that I don't think he's, well, he clearly is not going to have this far in. Does that make sense to you? Like LaMelo, there's no doubt at all. And that was a turnoff when I watched him in Australia. But now I'm like, oh, this is exactly where he kind of needs to be. Where with Lonzo, even though he can hit shots, he makes great passes. I think he's a really good defender, team defender. There's just moments where he's completely disappearing. And LaMelo's not going to be like that as he gets older. There's never going to be a moment where you're like, oh, is LaMelo out there? And that's who Lonzo's become at times. Can I can I spin this in ESPN afternoon show language? LaMelo's very alpha-y sometimes. And I, I just don't think... I don't think Lonzo is alpha E at all. Just he's he's got he's more in that Wiggins camp. 
Okay, but can you be an alpha if you're a tight end for the Jags? Coming, <laughs> coming up, up next. That's coming up next. You know what I love? I love the same thing about Lamelo. I love how he takes to the basket and how physical. And it's not just like him pulling out. Like he likes like jumping mm-hmm. into dudes and uh, he's just, hammering guys with I his really, off arm. I really enjoy <laughs> watching him. I don't think he's healthy either. There was a couple times during the game today. Eighty-one percent. Where he was just like playing with his wrist and like twisting it. Like he was like, I got to put my ligament back. Bertans knocked the shit out of him um, on a drive today. 88%. Here are my predictions. What's 88%? Lamelo Alpha. I was asking for you. No, I was asking for your Lamelo. Oh, his wrist? No, I just wanted. What did you see from him if he's not 100? I, I always like your numbers. I think his wrist is like 74%. I, he keeps touching you know what? it. It's unhealthy. That sounds right. Thanks. That feels 74 feels right. Thank you. Um, I think Indy wins, and I think Washington beats the Celtics. I won't bet on it because I don't bet against my team when in games that actually matter. It doesn't feel right. I think it violates karma rules, but um, I just think Washington will have two of the three best players in the game. They'll play probably harder. They'll probably be up 10 in the first quarter because the Celtics will roll over like they always do. And I don't think the Celtics team knows who they are. I don't think they know who their best players are. And I think deep down, they might not be unhappy if the season ended. And it's not like an overt thing. It's just one of those things. Sometimes it's not your season. And when you have a chance to parachute out of the plane and just jump into the trees, you take it. And I think this team will... will I really think this team will roll over when it has a chance to roll over. It's one of those teams. You had to watch them all year to understand where you're coming yeah. from. And I don't know why anyone, are they more talented than those other teams in this playoff scenario? No question. It's, it's, but they fell behind by 20, 14 times this year. They fell behind by 10. I think 40 of the 72 games was the final number. It's just, I mean, how many times can I you mean, watch you, it? You go through it and you're like, okay, what was the sign? And you're like, okay, this Cavs game's a must win down huge the, the Cavs who don't want to win all right let's go play OKC Chicago was the, OKC oh, was right. the rock, rock I was gonna rock, go rock. I was gonna go in reverse and get there but when OKC OK OKC's won one game in two months and it's against Intentionally you trying to lose yeah like they don't want to play anyone they sent Al Horford home they didn't right. even want him near the team right Shea Gilgis Alexander is like the youngest dude ever to be DNP'd Right. She's like, she's like, can I keep playing? I'm only 22. I'm trying to get better. They're like, no, cool. Go home. Stay away. Do you think we'll have there'll be a podcast 20 years from now where the guys are going over these historic numbers and they start arguing like about where player ranks on all time stats are? But then the guy will be like, Yeah, but he DNP'd six of his last eight seasons at 25% of the season. You have to factor that in. And it's like a real thing that's understood. His team didn't want to play him, they didn't care. So I think Washington beats the Celtics. I don't think it'll I don't think it'll be an easy win for the Wizards. I think it'll I think they'll be up 10, they'll be up 13. The Celts will make a late run. Westbrook will throw the ball away. All of a sudden the Celts will be down two with the ball with 10 seconds left and Tatum will take a step back three and miss it and that'll be it. And they'll go to the 9-10 game against Indiana and guess what? I don't think they're beating Indiana either. I think the Celtics go home. I really do. I think they lose You think they're going to lose too? I do. I think they lose both games. <laughs> I would think I they're really going to lose to Washington. I'm not even too. saying this as yeah. a reverse jinx. I don't think they're going to win either game. I don't know how anybody could watch the Wizards the last month and a half or watch the Celtics the last month and a half and be like, oh, the Celtics figured it out. Again, no Jalen. 
Kemba's been better. Um, you know, Kemba and Tatum having a game. And then the Robert Williams part of it and Neesmith's been better. I mean, look, if they won and they end up in the two seven, I'm not going to be shocked either. But there's no I will be shocked. I would be shocked if they you're beat shocked. You're going to be shocked yeah, if they're if they beat Washington. I think this shocked team, is too much. That's too I, much. I'm going to be shocked. I've watched them all year. They roll over anytime they have a chance to roll over. They roll over. They know it. How many team meetings could this team have? Do you think they should do something where they start all backups to send a message? First two minutes, like do a Duke senior night thing where Carson Edwards and Waters go out. And then I don't know. I'm not, Grant I'm not Williams, kidding. I, I, say this, I say this unironically. I actually was talking to a friend of mine about the Celtics saying that I really genuinely felt like they should play taco because at least when taco was out there, the other team would get thrown off for a few minutes and there's such good energy from having taco. The other Celtics try harder because they love taco. So just fucking play him. Nothing else has worked. We've tried 130 lineups. Just play taco. Put him out there. Let him run around and hold his hands up. At least it's something. Other this is like my... Tatum taking 27 shots a game and everybody else standing around and Marcus being like, clear out, clear out. I've added some offense to my game. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> uh, so this is this is like my Chuck Knobloch advice that I gave him. What was that? I just said, hey, man, look, have you have you ever thought of just putting a glove on your right hand and then throwing to first lefty like 50, 100 times. And then when you put the glove back on your normal hand and throw righty, it's just going to feel better. Mm. And he was like, I don't want to fucking talk to you. I was like, okay. When Taco comes in, I remember that story. It's a good one. When Taco comes in, you could see the other team for three minutes going, like, what do we do? What is this? This is weird. He cha he changes the game for three minutes. Then when they add like the six minute Mark, people figure it out. But I, I'm serious. I would play taco. I would try anything. Um, all right. Quickly on playoffs. So Philly beats whoever. Brooklyn's going to beat either team. But Brooklyn-Washington is way more fun because at least Washington, Beal and Westbrook will think we belong with these guys. Anyone could win this series. Finally, we get to play against our peers. And they'll treat that like it's the finals. And we also have the Westbrook-KD thing, which I think would be really fun. Right, Those I'm also looking playoff series. I'm also looking forward to like Westbrook being one of ten from three, and then blocking Durant's shot in a close game to like extend. It's like they're down three zero and they win game four, and Westbrook Does the celebrates. The, yeah, the like whole... Westbrook celebrates like he just stormed Normandy. Hmm. Um, two more series, Atlanta Knicks. So this one's weird because I do like this Atlanta team, but it doesn't look like Hunter is going to be Hunter at least in round one. He's played he two games, He's yeah, played two 15 games, minutes didn't per. Didn't look like himself. And honestly, because they've been so much better now, too. I mean, Atlanta's behind Denver, April 1st on. Denver has 18 wins. Atlanta and the Knicks, by the way, both at 17 wins. So you can't dismiss the Knicks part of it, which I know we're going to get to. But they have depth now where the Hunter minutes, I think it's going to be an experiment in the playoffs because they're, look, he was their second best player yep. this season until he got hurt. And then in that absence, these other guys have stepped up. So it's going to be kind of, it's a good problem to have, but it's definitely a challenge. I like Atlanta as a stealth. I know we both thought Philly was going to come out of the East, but I do think, is there a world where Atlanta beats Philly in a playoff series? Sure. I, I wouldn't be like stunned. I wouldn't be stunned by anything in these playoffs other than uh, the Lakers, you know, not making out of round one. But here, here's the case for the Knicks. So they're 14 and four in their last 18. 
Rose during that stretch is basically 18 a game, shooting 55% from the, from the field. They played Atlanta three times this year. They won all three. Randall in those three games, 37, 12, and seven. This is the team he's succeeded against the most. And it makes sense. I actually watched the entire Knicks-Atlanta game that went in overtime the last time they played. And Atlanta does not have anybody to guard him. It's a just a bad matchup for, for them. And he was getting any shot he wanted. He was really comfortable. You know, I go back and forth with the season series thing, but I do think there's something to learn from it sometimes. And in this case, Randall does really well against Atlanta. Like, just let's start there. Um, Atlanta's shit, the way they shoot threes isn't as great as it seems like it is when you're watching them sometimes when they go in. They're basically, they're 37% from three. Um, Bogdanovich has been lights out, but Trey hasn't shot as well as you thought. No Hunter hurts them or compromise Hunter, whatever. And as much as I think like I'm penciling in Atlanta, the Randall, Tibbs, Rose, MSG, the how, however many home games they're, you know, they're going to at least have a possible game seven. Do you think Atlanta's ready to actually win a giant game in New York? Even if it's like a half full fans when the other team has a really good guy that they can't guard? The simple part of that, I'd say, well, no, because I haven't ever seen it before. I mean, this is a team that even coming off of disasters last year, record-wise, like you look back at last year, like, man, they were even worse than maybe you would think, but because it was the Trey Young story and making the all-star team and all that kind of stuff, it was like, oh, wait, this is great because Trey's really good. But man, that team's terrible. And then it looked like it was another carryover. They're going to be terrible defensively and all these different things. But they get Nate in. Bogdanovich comes back right as Nate comes back or takes over from from Lloyd. And, you know, as I mentioned, that record part of it. So the the easy answer is to say no. And I know when you and I have been like, hey, man, I just think Atlanta's better than New York. And then you're like, okay, but New York's beaten them three times. But I, I, some of these matchup things, I don't know what to do with. Because usually it's the first thing I look at. I'll be like, hey, let me make sure I'm not making a mistake by looking at the two teams separate of each other and ignoring what it actually looked like when they played each other. But Hunter played in only one of those games. McDonavich played in two. Danilo played in one. Um so that part of it is weird. You're right. They don't have anything to do with Randall. Those Randall numbers are absurd. So this and, series, and comes, by the way, those numbers will happen again in the playoffs. Right, he'll, right. he'll average like 35 a game in the series. And shout out to RJ Barrett, who at 20 years old went from, oh no, is this a disaster? Disaster strong. But when you get your chance on a bad team as a rookie, you're still going to put up some decent numbers. His numbers are much better now. I mean, he's at 17 a game. Um, he rebounds it pretty well. The assists aren't really going to be there. But the fact that he's at 40% shooting from three. And he'll have moments where, you know, it's not great, but there's other moments where you're like, they really actually look like they're going to hit on this guy. Um, and I know they know exactly who they are. They have a toughness to them. That's great. This this series is going to be Tibbs trying to turn Trey into something else. And it's going to be, we are going to attack the shit out of him. And we are also going to defend him in ways that we're going to frustrate him. So I think there's going to be a big jump from the regular season stuff that Trey faces to a Tibbs coach team. But I don't even know that, I, like personnel-wise, this isn't even a debate. I like Atlanta's personnel better, but the Randall numbers and Tibbs against Trey is, is really what's going to decide this. And the physicality. Like, do they beat the shit out of Atlanta this whole series? How far can they go with the way 
the the game is officiated now, and you can be we got to be physical, got to be physical. But sometimes you can be too physical and could swing the game. And then Tibbs, he likes to do this thing where he likes it's a little Belichickian, take the thing the other team likes to do and try to twist it to make it so that you're putting them that guy in a position where either you're playing to his hero side like they did with Kobe in 2010, or you're just trying to take them out. In Atlanta's case, it's actually better for the Knicks if Trey is taking a ton of shots and kind of ball hawking it, right? You don't want the other guys to get, I don't, I'm worried about everybody else. If Trey wants to shoot 30 times in a game, go, go be it. They, I feel like Atlanta's at their best when he's distributing and he has like 24 points and 15 assists and 12 shots. So I wonder like, are they going to appeal to Trey and try to get him to hear a ball at eight? Here's what worries me about the Knicks. I just feel like they're a player short. I don't trust, I, I you know, the fact that Taj Gibson plays crunch time and I know Tibbs is comfortable with him and he knows right place. To, but that, man, that would be one of the worst crunch time guys to make a round two in a while. He's been washed up for three years. And I know he's like, it's veteran savvy, all that stuff. But man. Do you see Taj Gibson in a round two? Seems no, that's the part, right? Like whatever happened in the regular season. Like here's another example: Milwaukee and Miami. All right, yeah, they played each other the 25th and 29th of December, and then they yeah. just played this weekend. Jimmy Butler's played in zero of those games, so I don't. I didn't even. I, don't, I didn't even. It doesn't even matter. Them. It doesn't even matter. So is the Knicks 3-0 thing against Atlanta a real sign? Maybe. But I can't get past when I start counting who four, five, six, seven, eight are. I don't think anybody would want the Knicks group over Atlanta's group. I mean, would anyone? Would a Knicks fan? I mean, I, no. I look, I get it. This Knicks story is incredible. Um, there, there's something to be said of it. But I mean, I also think there's reality kicks in a little bit going, you end up playing some guys that I don't know. And then I think the Trey Young free throw thing is part of it too. Like his month to months can get weird where he can go on some stretches where it looks like he's getting a lot of calls and then he's not. I mean, he still think he finished third maybe or fourth and free throw attempts per game. It wasn't as absurd as it was at the very beginning of the year. He's officiated like a 10-year all-star who's going to the Hall of Fame. But I, I don't know if that'll happen. Like in the 90s, if you had a game where you got a bunch of calls, there'd be a correction on it. I don't even think it's the 90s. I think it was happening still within the last decade. Yeah. But there's so many young officials that I don't think the young official, when they get taken, that they'll they'll remember that. I think they. And by the way, with Trey, Trey will be on the way to getting a call, and he's already pre-complaining about not getting it as the whistle comes in. So well, one <laughs> one thing with this, the three point shooting, the Knicks shot 39 percent from three this year, which is bizarre. That's but you look crazy. at the stats and it and it adds up. And Rose has actually been making them lately. Um, their opposing three-point percentage is 34, which is really good. And and that was something, by the way, that it looked like it was random and it would correct and it would get worse because it was like contested and uncontested threes. They had a really low opponent's three-point percentage against. You're like, well, whatever, that'll even out. And, it, and sometimes it just doesn't. Yeah. So more physical team. They have one awesome player. I think they have a better coach. They have home court. And I guess my, here's the thing with Atlanta. Are you changing your mind here? Are you going? No, no, no. I think this is, I think this is going to be a long series. And I think Atlanta has to win in six because if this goes to seven and we go to New York, 
that's a really hard game to win for like a young team that's never played in a game like that, you know? And they have more talent. I get it. Yeah, but, but a young team against another group that is new this year as well. True, it's, but... It's they, not like they're playing Allen Houston and Charles Oakley and these guys. Right, but Barrett's, Barrett and Quickly, I would say, are really the only ones where it's like, you just start going through and you're like, who do I trust? Randall's been around a while. He's been in the league, you know, eight years at this point. Rose has been around forever. And Tibbs has been in a lot of these. And I don't know, that that Knicks crowd, I think that'll be a thing in a game seven. And I also wonder if um, the whistles will be friendly because it's the Knicks and nothing good has happened for them in 20 years. I refuse to pick. I thought the Hawks were going to walk over them in this series. And the Randall thing in the home court freaks me out. And I'm I'm not even making a pick. I think it's a long series. Um, Milwaukee, Miami, I do have a pick. I think Milwaukee beats them. I think Miami is going to um, entice a lot of people because they beat them last year because of how well Butler's playing. But Milwaukee's just better. The, the Drew Holiday, having him, having him to throw at Hero. Hero's been hot lately. Um, and then on top of it, like the P.J. Tucker piece, who they had on Hero the other day when they were messing around in that uh, that game recently, which didn't really have big stakes for for uh, Miami. But um, one of the things I like with Milwaukee in this series that they're they're malleable, right? They could play Tucker and a shooter with I'm saying with Giannis, Drew, and Middleton. They could play Tucker and a shooter. They could play Lopez and Tucker go bigger. Or they could play Lopez and a shooter, but they can kind of go with whatever. And I don't. I just think those Ariza Iguodala minutes are going to sink Miami. It's too many minutes with those guys. I think both of them at this point they're just kind of at a different stage of their career, and they're relying on them for you know forty five, fifty minutes a game. I don't. I don't like it for Miami. Miami's one eleven and fifteen, but when you look at their April first on splits, they're really good on offense. They're actually bad on defense. Like it's just how they compare to the rest of the league during that stretch is a lot lower than I thought. And let me just make sure and double check it again and that I don't no, have that I, number you're upside right. down. I, th- those are the right numbers. Yeah, I mean, they're 24th in the league. Yeah. I mean, they're down there with San Antonio, Minnesota, Cleveland, Orlando. Um, and honestly, they're not that far off. Like all those bad teams. And sometimes you can say like, hey, we're 24th, but then the drop down to 25th is significant. It's not. But the amount of, let me put it this way. Everybody's going to be on Miami on this one. Everyone. and if Milwaukee were to lose to them in the first round, like they may have to relegate the Bucs. It's, it would be the, uh, it'll be humiliating and it'll be unfair is what I'm saying. But the humiliation factor for Bucs as as a franchise, I mean, fans are going to want to hear this, but if they were to lose to them again, this time in the first round, it's going to be, just prepare yourself for it because if you be go terrible. through all the 16 playoff teams, my uh, Milwaukee losing in round one is the most devastating scenario to any of the 16. Brooklyn the- can do, Brooklyn can do the whole look. We never had our guys. Next year we'll be ready. Philly could do you know. Well, the wait. So you think? Lo- give me this. You think Brooklyn losing to the Wizards would still be better than Milwaukee? I'm saying losing- the realistic ones. I've, we're crossing off Philly and Brooklyn. They're not losing. But so out of the other ones, any realistic, any possible, because it is a possibility. Like if Miami were to beat them, we can't sit here and go, oh, never saw that coming. But no, they could. 
They did yeah, it right, last year, right, and, and right. Milwaukee could just exactly show. picking Milwaukee's not writing off Miami in this case, but the no. and imagine like this is a national perspective. Can you imagine the local perspective on that? Like coming in after a weekend elimination, and you're doing a talk show in Milwaukee on Monday, and you're like, okay, you know, and then know. Giannis won't be allowed to be on any top five lists. He just if won't you be. if Utah lost to the eight seed, they would they would hit a similar inflection point where it'd be like, all right. What are we doing? What, what's going on with this team? We, we, you just won the one seed. It mattered not at all. And what are you going to do now? And I think with Milwaukee, the the scary thing for them is they really don't have any outs other than trading Middleton. So, who's um, way better than he gets credit for? Yeah, like I, I, when I really lock into watching Middleton, I go, he's he's terrific. He's terrific. Milwaukee's going to beat Miami. And I have no idea who's going to win Atlanta next. All right. We're wrapping up part one. Part two. So here's the thing. It is 4.30 on uh, Pacific time now. Wrapping up. We're going to come back uh, at some point tonight after these West games. And we'll do a shorter pod for part two. Just breaking down the West based on what the seeds are. Uh, and then we'll do all NBA too. Because I'm going to make my final picks. And then we can. Can you think for the next four hours who I should do for the four spot and the five spot and MVP? You're going to say Chris Paul for four, and then who for five? Randall? I don't know. Then it seems ridiculous to leave Giannis off. You're right. So, I mean, sometimes there's just not enough spots for worthy candidates, but it doesn't mean that it's personal because whoever it is. It what about Westbrook? What about Westbrook? Historic year? <laughs> 88% of an MVP season. Um, I just have a problem with Giannis winning two straight, having 93 four percent as good of a season in year three and he's like he's out he's not even top five yeah, he's not even top he's five like, yeah, yeah i i have i think i think i go steph Giannis, paul steph paul Giannis. okay all right we'll see you in a few hours all right that's it for part one of the two-part sunday night bs podcast get ready for part two we'll be taping it uh as soon as we know what the western conference matchups are it'll be a little shorter than this one was but we will uh Break down all the West matchups. And also, I will give my all-NBA picks as well. So, should be up, I don't know, midnight PT, something like that. Two-parter. Don't forget about the Goodfellas rewatchables as well. That is coming on Monday. So, there you go. See you uh, for part two in a few hours. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered 
for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com.